Hello, Marvelites who are listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale August 17th, 2022. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. And I'm Anthony Carboni. Hey, Anthony. Thank you for joining us as our guest host this week. Anthony, uh, who are you? What do you do? Why do people know you? Oh, most people will know me from uh, hosting the Star Wars show as well as uh, Star Wars Celebration and uh, live Star Wars events over at uh, over at Lucasfilm, uh, or also my podcast, We Have Concerns, or my new show, uh, It's Too Early, which is on Twitch. Ooh, Fun. very good. Um we, full uh, disclosure, we're going to have a fun reading club later on in the show, but we've just finished recording that, which was a hoot and a holler. So good. It was uh, everything I could have dreamed, in all honesty. <laughs> uh, he was exactly what I wanted. Yes. He being Dan Slott, writer of many Spider-Man comics and many She-Hulk comics. So we're going to talk to him a little bit. This is the official Marvel podcast for Marvel Comics, where we've gone through Wow, so many comics. There's a lot of friggin' new issues out this week. It's great. A lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to give our personal picks of the week, the ones that we stand behind hard and fast. We're going to give out an award for all the other books. We're going to shout out a whole bunch of you listeners this week because there's a lot of great stuff from everybody. Um, We're going to tell you what's hitting Marvel Unlimited, what collections are on sale. And again, we're going to get to that reading club with Dan Slott. Jasmine, what exactly are we talking about with Dan? We are talking about she-Hulk and Spider-Man. It's a She-Hulk issue, number four from 2004, uh, with a story titled Web of Lies, which features Spider-Man. Nice. Anthony, do you remember the first Marvel comic you read by chance? Yes, I do. I remember buying it from, uh, I think it was a B. Dalton in the mall when there used to be B. Dalton booksellers. Mm-hmm. And it was an issue of Amazing Spider-Man that was Spider-Man and Captain America against the Tarantula. Uh, and I remember, I, I can picture the cover vividly and every once in a while I go home and, or I look it up on the internet to see what number it actually was. But I remember, um, I had always known who Spider-Man was, I think just through the cartoon Spider-Man and his amazing friends was on. And I remember seeing it in the bookstore and being like, oh, okay. I can, this is the cartoon guy has a book. This is great. I love books too. And then like opening it up, I remember being like, and it's all pictures. This is tight, tight, (laughs) tight, tight. tight. (laughs) Uh, And from then on, it was like, I noticed comics everywhere. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, after you see that first one, And you understand what a comic book is. It was like at the grocery store on the spinner rack or like at every bookstore from then on. And it was like all Spider-Man all the time for me. Um, I wanted to also point out before we get into the rest of the show that the amazing team over on Marvel.com. Thank you, Megan Damore. um, They've been putting up little features and special articles uh, sort of tied around our reading clubs, the guests, the conversations that we have. Uh, with links to those issues, a little bit more in depth and and just adding to the uh, Marvel's pull list of it all. So thank you for that. And if you want to go check those out, please, we'll put the link in the show notes. We'll make sure um, they're out there so you can check them out. Yeah. And again, special thanks to Megan Damore and Robin Belt for putting these things together. All right. We got to get this show on the road because like we said, we have a 
I was going to curse because there's so many books <laughs> out this week. We got a lot of books to talk about. Uh, so we're going to get into our picks of the week. I am going to kick us off with my pick, which is Avengers 1 million BC. Number one, this uh, issue, the title of this story is called For the Phoenix So Loved the World. And it is by writer Jason Aaron, artist Kev Walker, colors by Dean White, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And this one um, is super friggin' great. Of course it is, because Jason Aaron has been on a tear for the last 10 years, 15 years, just nonstop. Yeah, yeah so it's a bit good. of a streak, a bit yeah, of a, a little, streak for Jason Aaron. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all he can do is win, and this is another big win for him. Um, this one is, obviously, by the title, you can understand it's set around the Avengers 1 million BC, this team of primordial Avengers that, you know, they've got the, it's got the archetypal versions of some heavy hitters in the Marvel Universe, the Phoenix, it's got Odin, it's got the Starbrand, and a Sorcerer Supreme, an Iron Fist, a Black Panther, a Ghost Rider, all the, all the goodies, and, uh, they're, they're great. We've seen them in the pages of the, the core Avengers title. Now this one is is here spotlighting them, but very specifically highlighting the like secret origin of Thor that we've been hinting at and we've been getting some clues about and some teases in the pages of Avengers. And so this one is 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 big. It's just like here. Here's what happened. Here's how it went down. Um, this is the story behind Thor's birth, Thor's like heritage and parentage. So it's a big one. I am not going to spoil it. Uh, I will say. I will. No. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got beautiful, beautiful art here by Kev Walker and Dean White. It opens on this gross, gross scene of two big, nasty monsters about to do it on Earth. And there's just like oozing of like things and bugs everywhere. That's how you open this book. And it's a book about love, everyone. It's a book about love. And then like three pages in, we get this beautiful double page splash. Kev Walker just letting loose. You get to see the star brand with like energy crackling around and you know, all the characters. And you got Odin with Mjolnir. It's, it is a big bombastic action book, but also with a very core story about love, protection, sadness, um, you know, being a parent, all this stuff wrapped up in a story set a million years before the the like the Avengers that we know, you know, in our present time were together. It's a lot of fun. It is going to answer some questions. It's going to bring up some new questions. It's going to be a great place to sort of like slot right into your core Avengers reading. Or if you're not even reading the main Avengers book, I think this actually fits in well as like, hey, this is a neat part of the history of the Marvel Universe that you didn't know existed. Check this out. Avengers 1 million BC, friggin' rules. My pick is Miss Marvel and Moon Knight issue number one. Gosh, I absolutely love this. I honestly love anything Jody Hauser touches. Uh, she wrote this one. And then, of course, uh, Ibrahim Roberson did, did the art, and it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, and I just love these Miss Marvel team ups so much. I love Kamala, who is just our little radiant ball of positivity. And like these heroes that she is stacked up to meet over the past in the next few months, it's really wonderful to see. And seeing her, I'm also just a huge Moon Knight guy from way back. Uh, so seeing the two of them together is really fun just to see how they play off of one another and how their interactions are going to be. Uh, and it's a very fun story just because you get to see 
the more kind of lucid and coherent Moon Knight, which is always fun every once in a while, and see, you know, sort of Mr. Knight and the mission and sort of the uh, the seriousness with which that aspect of Moon Knight is kind of taking his job. Uh, but there are also some other characters that that pop up that I was very excited to see towards the end there uh, mm-hmm. that I don't want to give away. I don't know how much of it I want to give away, but they're up against some sort of evil that is able to sort of anticipate and change along with their uh, along with their tactics and sort of seeing how the two of them work together and figure out how to fight something like that and how to change things up is very good. I'm a I'm a big fan of this one. I'm excited for Venom next month, too. Yeah, I think that one's going to be wild. Hell yeah. I like these because it, it reminds us of the connectivity of the Marvel Universe. You know, you get Moon Knight and Ms. Marvel together, which seems like what? And then you see some of the things that they're up against and how that brings in a different side of things. And you talk about Venom and like how it, the Marvel Universe is this thing where characters sort of like exist on their own, but they do interact. They do come together. They are connected in cool ways. Next up, we have my pick of the week, which is X-Men number 13. And it continues what's been going on in Axe Judgment Day. I highly recommend that you read Axe Death to the Mutants number one first, um, as it sets up what happens in this issue. But this issue is written by Jerry Duggan with art by C.F. Vila, colors by Matt Mila, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And the thing I like about this issue is we just got a new X-Men team. And what this issue does so well is it shows not only how this new team can work together, but like it really, really, really highlights like all these players have like a, a very significant role to play and together they are a really awesome team and specifically magic magic as the leader of the pretty much a war leader. And like, she's coming up with strategies. She's instructing people where to go. Um, it's pretty much a heist issue uh, where the, the mutants have an opening to attack the inhumans, but we get all these amazing moments with all the, the team members um, really just like flexing and showing what they can do, including Iceman just like controlling a kaiju sized version of himself, which is wild. Essentially, the story that gets set up in Axe Death to the Mutants number one, the way it ends is it ends on a like, okay, we're going to like hand off to this book. And that's what this book does. It's really cool. We get to see the inner workings of that. The way that the X writers treat Firestar is just so funny to me because like there are moments in here where she's like, oh, this is just like what Captain America would do on the Avengers. There is one moment where they're like, where she's like, why don't the X-Men have a submarine? The Avengers have a submarine. And there's moments like that where it's like very just playful and like tongue in cheek. And it, it's just funny. It's great. Um, and we're starting to see a little bit more of like Firestar's history uh, kind of coalesce here, including a note that is in this issue that is very fascinating, written by her father. I like that. That was a good emotional beat that sort of, you know, mm-hmm. ties things around and, and brings some... Um, some history into play when you read it if you you need some more background on that what that means read the four issue firestar mini um if you want some of that background uh because that's what's going on in that letter yeah there you go that certainly helps all right those are our picks we're gonna get into all the issues in a bit but first we got to get to the award section and some community stuff in here of course last week's award was you dare touch what is name ors and that came from Axe Judgment Day. I have to say it like a Number two. wrestling guy. Number two. Uh, and um, our pal, Mountain Meg, at Meg Stalker, was first out Ooh. the gate 
early on on uh, on Wednesday when the books came out, she got it. She said, for once, I knew exactly where to look for this week's quote. <laughs> you dare touch what his name was loving the Axe Judgment Day run so far. And oh, my God, so many comics with so many amazing variant covers this week. Thanks for the fun, as always. Uh, Meg, if you think you had a lot of covers, and a lot of issues last week. Hold on to your butt. This, week is... <laughs> this week's going to be a wild ride. Is it so much? It's so much. Uh, but thank you, Meg, for finding that. Um, and of course, I wanted to throw out some honorable mentions and some shout outs. Mr. Titanium, who uh, was very excited for our guest host last week, Amy, mm-hmm. and uh, said that he had a Dungeons and Dragons character, uh, mm-hmm. a paladin. But dude, Gene, Mr. Titanium, what was your paladin's character's name? And did you name the super powerful sword? That he had. Is that a thing that you do in D and D? I've never. Again, oh I've yeah. Never played. Yeah, you name the sword, right? Oh yeah, hundred. If you've got a favorite sword, you name that sword. That sword's got a story, right? Absolutely. I want to know the sword. Yeah, I want to know the sword. Know the paladin. Hit us back. Uh, yeah. Big thanks. What kind to... of paladin too? Give me your oh. subclass. Oh, I don't even know what that means. Great. Uh, Guys, Lex this is a Pendrick. comics podcast. We're not playing D and D here yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lex Pendragon said, I want to just say thank you for your diligence every week, letting everybody know the quote. Um, and then Michael Forster, uh, hope you dug predator number one as much as I expect you did. That was damn good book. All right. So I, I wanted to pull out a, a little bit of a section here because we had a bunch of great write-ins about where folks get their comics mm-hmm. uh, as part of our United States of Polist section was, did we say that on the yeah, show? I did. Oh, okay, I, okay, But I did great. it as a joke. I didn't think people were actually going to like hit me up on it. And it's no, great. I love it. it. Before we get into that, uh, Anthony, where do you get your comics? Uh, I get my comics at uh, the secret headquarters in uh, Silver Lake, which is a really wonderful shop. And I've been getting my comics from them since probably like 2015. Uh, I think I've been to that shop before, um, and I, I can picture it in my head. It it's right great. next to a record store and a sneaker shop. I call it the midlife crisis. Oh my god, those are all of my favorite things. Uh, Welcome to your midlife crisis, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, thank you for your paycheck. Um, all right, uh, I want to give a, a shout out and thanks to Benjamin Titter on Twitter who uh, hashtagged. United States of Polis, but also said, I get my comics at at Local Heroes NVA in Norfolk, Virginia. It's a great spot with excellent staff and a wide selection of books. So if you're in Virginia, go to Local Heroes. Not only did I did I color in the state of Virginia for that. Oh, Anthony, I don't know if you're familiar, but I, I actually have a map. I know. I heard about the map last week. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm filling it out one by one. Uh, following up from Jason Reince's message from last week, he said, quote, Heard you wanted to know where my comic pull list is from. Oklahoma has several great local comic shops. Speeding Bullet, All-Star Comics, New World Comics, and Atomic Pop. But my favorite comic shop and where I have my pull list is Deadlift Collectibles in Edmond, Oklahoma. The owner is Michael Sloika, and he's the first shop owner to actually get me on a pull list. He offered a discount and does his best to get me the variants I feel I need. Uh, such an awesome guy. He opened a shop just before the pandemic hit, and through all that hardship, he celebrated his third year last weekend. And then I, Jason also shared a photo for us, said recently he held a local comic swap at uh, his store. And a sw- comic swap is where a group of collectors get together and they just trade comics. He held this event for free. That is a great, I love that, is, that idea. I want one of those. That's wonderful, yeah. yeah. 
New Dad Mitch Krumputich, uh said for your map, Jasmine, don't forget about Arizona. I did. I almost did. Thank you for reminding me. I'm filling it out as we talk, as we speak. Yeah. So shout out to Samurai Comics in Phoenix. Uh, Samurai Comics, well-known shop. Uh, I, I believe a chain too. Great stuff. Um, very knowledgeable and welcoming to newbies as well. So thank you for that, Mitch. I uh, hope the, the baby is sleeping a little bit, uh, not vomiting too much, you know babies vomiting just the right amount just the right amount just the right right amount amount. Uh, that's another that's another pull list papa (laughs) it is it is (laughs) uh we got a great email from max morel in france um who said and max you didn't tell us your comic shop we while we do have the united states of the united states of pull list we want to go global with it let us know if you have a, a, a shop in france uh, but Max says, I suppose lots of people already found the quote of the week and wrote you, but I'm from France, so I suppose I'll always be late. I don't understand that. You should be able to be early. The shops yeah. open sooner for you if you get your books the same day. Anyway, Max continues, I love the little game of yours, which adds every week some spice in my reading, mm-hmm. uh, which I like that we are giving more spice to our listeners, which is great. Um uh, I do want to say I'm, I loved hearing that Max found us through Spider-Punk and Ooh. the mention in the back that we had. Uh, thank you to editor Danny Kazem for uh, putting us in the book. Max said, can I offer you some challenge in return? Could you find the issue published the week of August 3rd where the following sentence appears? You took the news like a funeral. Huh. I did. I I didn't have. I'll be honest. I didn't have a chance to go back and look through my books to to find that. Mm-hmm. So whomever gets that line, hit us up. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll you'll get a special bonus award for that one. Um, but he has a question also for us. Max says, which makes me think, how do you choose the sentence you're going to use for the award? I wondered that as well, and and I was here this week and I got to see it. <laughs> it is a very scientific method of just. It's- there are charts and graphs. There are reams of paper being printed out uh, and just, oh, the energy, like the 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 amount of fight and and debate that goes. It nearly came to blows, I think. Yeah, it was yeah, it starts off like out. a tournament bracket. There's about 16 different slots and then it just, we slowly will whittle it down. Yeah. But they told me to put aside. Of dance slot that <laughs> all say the word, the, the phrase to us mm-hmm. and we have to pick the, the one. Slaughter of them get, yeah, the, the slaughter Yeah, the slaughter verse. We kill 15 of them. <laughs> Every week, and then we find 16 more the next week. That's how the sausage is made, Max. All right. Uh, we got an email from Joe Hoffman, who <laughs> the, the, I immediately was like, wait, what? He said, just had to stop <laughs> listening to this week's episode of Marvel's Pull List. I was like, why are you stop listening? And he said, to reach out to let you both know that I'm a loyal listener from the wheat state of Kansas. Ooh. Uh, though I never seem to be able to find the quotes of the week in time. Keep trying. Keep trying, uh, Joe. I believe in you. Yeah. Um, But Kansas Joe says, I wanted to check in so that Jasmine could mark Kansas off her map. Um, If it hasn't already been checked already, my favorite place to buy Marvel Comics is at Pop Culture Comics in Overland Park, Kansas, a suburb of Kansas City, where the owner, David, is a great guy who always goes out of his way to help his customers. Um, So that's great. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I'm filling out Kansas as we speak. So Yeah. With a nice purple colored pencil. Yeah. All right. Now... It is time for our award christening for this week. After two and a half hours of debate, we came to an award. Anthony, would you like to say what the award is? Sure. The award this week is, I was hoping this was a peyote flashback. Yes. 
Uh, we won't tell you where to find it. That is your task, dear reader. You got to find this quote, screen cap it, and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's Pull List, or email us at pulllist at marvel.com if you're among the first. Uh, keep your DMs open, your emails uh, ready. I guess you have to keep your emails open. And on that note, let's get into our rest of the new comics this week. Let's give out some awards. All right, I am going to kick us off with Axe Death to the Mutants number one. I'm going to give my, I was hoping this was a peyote flashback to, uh, they said the line, that idea that like, uh, they, they said the title of the book mm-hmm. in the book. Uh, so there's a moment where a character says death to the mutants. And I just get a, a pop out of that. Whenever you, you hear a character say like the name of the movie in the movie or something like that made me happy. But that said, there's some wild awesome stuff in here cool eternals action um some big x-men moments um and this as jasmine mentioned you can there's a like an interesting order i actually found jasmine i started reading x-men and this and like i kind of went back and forth because there's some sort of like crossover and timing of when things happen but um yeah read this book it's freaking great if you're enjoying x judgment day uh, i say definitely check it out then we have Captain Marvel number 40. This is part three of the trials. A lot of dragon slaying going on. I got to give the prize this week to an image, just a visual that happens on page 22 and 23 of this book, which is just, it's going to stick with you. Carol does a thing and it is goopy. And that's all I'm going to say goopy. about that. That's, oh, that's a good way to put yeah. it. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. A lot going on in this one, but keep your eyes out for a Goopy Carol, which is probably the best part of it. <laughs> Hashtag Goopy Carol. Yeah. Uh, up next is Daredevil number two, a.k.a. Daredevil number 650. And I really, I really wanted to pick this one, but I, I limited myself to one pick this week. But this is a huge issue, and it's also jam-packed with amazing creators in here. Of course, you've got the core story by Chip Zdarsky um, with art by Marco Coquetto and Matt Wilson and some Rafael De La Torre. But you get a new Anne Nascenti story where she writes a story that Chip draws. And if you are a subscriber to Chip's newsletter, which you should be, um, it's a hoot. Uh, you will you'll know how much this means to him. But then they also bring some amazing like classic daredevil creators back alex malev does a page john ramita jr does a page there's phil noto and you know we got chris samney back to do a page of art in this we haven't had chris on a marvel book in i don't know three or four years probably been yeah um we got him in there paul is mike hawthorne Klaus Janssen, it rules for all the extras, bells and whistles on top of a great story. So I'm going to give my, I was hoping this was a peyote flashback to the fact that it's just chock-a-block full of incredible creators coming to celebrate Daredevil. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Edge of Spider-Verse number two. And this is the second issue of this series. Uh, It features four different stories. One about Spider-Gwen or Ghost Spider. Uh, The second one, which is easily my favorite, story out of this bunch but it is the introduction of the new spider uk who i'm actually going to give my i was hoping this was a peyote flashback award to because i'm already obsessed with her i can't wait to see more of her in all the the new books i love these little short stories there's a way with the little mini spider-man says hello to the other spiders yes 
that absolutely cracks me up in this issue. Big love to Chris Giarusso, who did the mini Marvels strips. There's a couple of them this week, and it just makes me happy because we've if you've never read them, there's some collections of the mini Marvels. They're just really cute, sort of peanut style Marvel comic strips, and they're great. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't had them in a bit. All right, up next is Fortnite Marvel Zero War number three. I'm going to give my, I was hoping this was a peyote flashback to, if you didn't know what was here, you might have passed by this. But there's a moment, like the first page, where Tony Stark as Iron Man is introducing himself to some of the characters from Fortnite. And he says, um, characters like oh, whoever this is, and Tony and Iron Man goes, Tony Stark, Iron Man, I'm the cool exec with, and he gets cut off by the foundation who says it doesn't matter. The foundation in Fortnite is voiced by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yep. The Rock, one of the Rock's things was to cut people off as a wrestler, and he says it doesn't matter what your name is. I popped so hard for this. I was like, That's this is amazing. the best super insidery thing. I cracked up. I thought it was a great little touch to this issue. I had no idea. That's awesome. Deep bit. I love that bit. Yeah. Uh, Then we have Hulk number eight, which is the finale of Banner of War, which I can I just I love everything that's going on with the Hulk right now. The like the edgy emo part of me just loves my body (laughs) as a starship and my anger is the fuel. Like, I feel like that's my that's my favorite My Chemical Romance song. And also... I love I My just, Chemical Romance so much. Same. I do too. Okay. I do too. And right. I just I just don't want to malign them because I love them. No, no, no. Okay, great. The part of me that loves that loves everything that's going on with yes. the Hulk right now. And this Hulk Thor finale is really good. And if I can, I would love to give my I thought this was a peyote flashback in this issue to just a really amazing Hellfire Gala variant cover. I love Hellfire Gala. And this listen, everything in this issue is great, but I am just I'm a simp for Hellfire Gala covers. I really, really am. Uh, so I just want to shout this one out. There's a there's a She-Hulk variant cover for this one that is amazing. Next up, we have Iron Cat number three, which starts at a party. Uh, nice, elegant soiree of sorts. But I'm going to give my I was hoping this was a peyote flashback award to the Felicia Hardy of it all. Because if you're like me and you know, like, Felicia always has something up her sleeve and you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like this is that issue where not only does it happen, but it just like keeps going and all the like small little twists that like she has brought into this whole ordeal that she shares with Tony is just so fascinating. Like, like also if you've been a fan of Jed McKay's black hat, like there are moments in here where I'm like, they just pay off so well. It's just, it's perfect. I love this book. Could have easily been my pick of the week. We got to get moving on to New Mutants number 28, which is also nearly one of our picks. It's so good. Big snaps to Vida Ayala, who's been just absolutely destroying it on this book, uh, doing some amazing work. But I, I and, and as much as I love Vida, I have to I have to give my I was hoping this was a peyote flashback to Rod Reese on this issue. There's just so much good acting and storytelling like the the story is great it's all about uh iliana rasputin and um her journey throughout this and then the you know the kind of the rise and return of madeline Pryor. so there's a lot of really interesting emotional magic things going on but there's a six panel there's a one of the early pages there's seven panels on the page one of the top is is danny moonstar but then there's six panels of a like really close up of madeline Pryor's face as she's like explaining herself and talking about things and it's like really 
beautifully illustrated and acted and there's emotional resonance and the way Rod just draws her like you can see you can almost feel her breathing through this and then later on you've got this amazing moments with Ilyana and with uh with Colossus it is a action-packed but emotional issue could have been one of our picks and Rod knocks it out of the park as he always does next up we have Savage Avengers number four and want to correct myself for the last episode when we talked about this book because it was bumped at the last minute so um it's actually coming out this week um so i'm going to give my award to the same thing i gave it to last week which is the surprise villain that i wasn't expecting to show up in this book i mean we've been dealing with balsa doom this entire time and when i saw this guy pop in i was like oh hell yeah like we haven't seen him in a minute and i'm so pumped to see what he does or like you know he's going to be a total jerk and just like make it even crazier so I'm all in. Uh, then we have Star Wars number 26 by my boy Charles Soule with Andre Genolet. I really enjoyed this. And there are two things that I was that I really kind of wanted to give my I was hoping this was a peyote flashback. One of them was that Charles has such a wonderful talent for introducing street level kind of ordinary people into the Star Wars lore that kind of lets you know what it's like to be a normal person in this conflict. And he introduces a couple characters in this one that I really enjoy. But in the end, I think I'd have to give it to the concept of celebrating Imperial Unity Day. Imperial Unity Day is, and the Imperial Unity Day parade is so hilarious to me as a Star Wars fan that I just, I was cracking up. The idea of everybody forcibly getting together to celebrate being crushed by the empire just kills me. I love it so much. We also got Star Wars The Mandalorian number two, uh, which is a retelling of one of my favorite, favorite episodes of the series, which is The Child. This is the one with the egg. This is the one with the Jawas and the egg. Uh, And I have to say, like, this must have been a fun one to kind of script out and put into... Uh, illustrated form because there are so many hilarious shots and hilarious reactions. And I got to say that um, I got to give my, I I was hoping this was a peyote flashback uh, to actually just the creative team on this to Rodney Bards and George Jaunty for being able to get all of the emotion across that you would think in the Mandalorian requires you to see it in motion. I mean, we're talking about two characters that barely speak when you're talking about the child and Mando and Mando can't emote. There's no way to do it. And yet every funny beat in this issue hits every sad beat hits. They do such a wonderful job of retelling this story. I think this is a fun one. On to strange number five, which I freaking love this book so much. Uh, you got Clea strange sorcerer Supreme of both the dark dimension and our earth and she's just terrifying she's funny she's relatable all her mama drama all kinds of stuff going on this also has another team up with moon knight it's their second team up that moon knight has this week so if you're looking for that dig into it uh it's but i would week to love moon knight it really it will one isn't i guess when he's like getting killed or whatever um but anyway <laughs> uh this, i'm gonna give my i was hoping this was a peyote flashback award to the line i almost chose for this episode which was yes i must consume human brains to survive mm-hmm. which was so good there's a character who's like rationalizing like, 
Yeah, I have to eat human brains to survive, okay? This is what I do. I'm working on it. It's a really funny bit. Uh, it is brutal, but this is a damn good story. All right, next up we have Ultraman, the mystery of Ultra 7, number one. This book contains three different stories. Uh, the main story, which is Ultraman and the mystery of the Ultra 7. But there are two other ones, one called From Rise to Fall, part two, and the other one, uh, which is Kaiju Steps. Um, but I need to give my... I was hoping that this was a peyote flashback award to David Lopez, who does the From Rise to Fall Part 2 art. And it's just, you can tell he's just having fun. And it's just so, like, rich. And, I mean, I just love David Lopez to begin with. And to see him just, like, having fun with these, like, little stories has been great. And it was just the way that it, they use the stories to kind of help break things up as well. Like, there are these, like, small one-page stories. It helps break up the pace of the book and break up the pace of the two different stories in, that it's sandwiched in between. And it's really cool. It's like a palate cleanser of sorts. All right, on to X-Force number 30. I'm going to be real with y'all. It says Axe Judgment Day on the cover. Don't get too too concerned about that. It's like, it's not necessary. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it being a tie-in and knowing everything else that's going on with Axe Judgment Day. Most importantly, know that you're getting a whole heaping helping of Deadpool. And I'm going to give my, I was hoping this was a peyote flashback award to a scene in which Deadpool rides Omega Red, kind of like a pony and uses his, his Omega Red's long, luscious ponytail to, to steer him. It's hilarious. The fact that we're getting more Benjamin Percy writing Deadpool is a treat. Next up, we have X-Men 92, House of 92, number four. It's like an adaptation had it taken place during X-Men 92. So it plays with the characters that are that were introduced in the series who were around during that time. So if you're a fan of that series, it's just like, it's a fun nostalgia trip. Um, the art is amazing. But the thing that happens in this issue is we get the Hellfire Gala, as well as the big reveal that happened in Planet Size X-Men number one a couple years ago. I'm going to give my, I was hoping this was a peyote flashback award to the circle of like people who are on the board in this book, because it is just so funny. Like Madam Web is on it. Like, it it's like that kooky or like that just different than it is in in the current x books it's really fun stuff i don't want to spoil too much of it because it's just great yeah all right last of the new comics this week is x-men unlimited x-men green number one this is a print adaptation of the uh infinity comic and it's a terrific story i'm gonna give my i was hoping this was a peyote flashback to the character of curse in here who is a young mutant girl who she like can give curses to people and like they're like little or big or whatever, but she is evil. She's like pure evil, but she's a little girl. It's really funny. Jerry Duggan absolutely doing some fun work, but it is terrific. X-Men Green is absolutely a banger. All right. On to collections for the week. Jasmine, you want to pick a couple of the spotlight collections? Yeah, we have a couple of different collections coming out this week, including Amazing Spider-Man by J. Michael Straczynski, Omnibus Volume 2. Um, so if you wanted to get some more of that uh, after our chat with Alex Segura, that's a great place to do so. There's also the Black Panther, the saga of Shuri and T'Challa, which is a fun little collection of Shuri as Black Panther uh, books. And we have Dr. Doom, the book of Doom omnibus. Fun stuff there as well. Uh, over on the Infinity Comics side, lots of issues coming out this week. We've got a new two-parter in Avengers Unlimited Infinity Comic. It's a Hawkeye story uh, written by Jeremy Adams and art by Stefano Raphael, uh, which is really cool. A bunch of other stories continuing on. But 
Um, also over on Marvel Unlimited this week, uh, a bunch of cool issues. We've got Moon Knight Black, White, and Blood number one, which is rad. We've got issue 11 of X-Men and Hulk versus Thor, Banner of War, Alpha number one. Anthony talked about uh, all his love for the, the Hulk stories right now, so it's good. Big energy there. All right, that leads us now into our conversation. Once again, Jasmine, who are we talking to? What are we talking about? We are talking to Dan Slott about She-Hulk issue number four from 2004. Um, it's the series that he wrote, and it's a She-Hulk and Spider-Man team up called uh, Web of Lies. Very fun stuff. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. All right, y'all. We are very excited because uh, editor and vice president of Marvel Comics, Nick Lowe, has allowed our guest out of his writing lair for just a short period of time. So we are very happy to have Dan Slott, Writer Supreme, on the show with us. Hi, Dan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, and you lied. Nick doesn't know about this at all. <laughs> Nick, when Nick hears this, Nick will be like, this was one hour he could have been typing. What the heck, Narcos? <laughs> What are you There's doing? a bedroll in the corner of like the writer's hole that just has fake pillows stuffed into it. <laughs> um, oh, Dan, man. very exciting. Um, we are in the midst of our Spider-Man month here in uh, on Marvel's pull list. Before we get into all the Spidey stuff, uh, I wanted to ask you, what was your like? When what did you what did you start reading? Were you reading from a uh, like? A, did you go to a Seven Eleven pick up your first comic book? What was your yes. first experience with comics? It was it was the Seven Eleven Spinner Rack. Um, this is this is not an urban myth. I went to meet Spider Man. He was signing comics at my Seven Eleven, and Aww. that that's how I bought my first comics. Is I wanted to meet that guy from the cartoon show from nineteen sixty seven that played every day after school. That's amazing. Um, I was the right age for it. I was, you know, a little Jewish boy who had no Santa Claus or Easter Bunny and loved hugging everybody at Disney World. So I was like, Spider-Man is coming to my town. Yeah, I, I parked out early on my bike on the curb and looked up skyward. I was waiting to see him swing in. So, And you were, he, what, 14 at, at this point? I was home from college at the time. And no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like seven or eight. It was like 1975, okay. 1976. Um, yeah. And uh, I was, I was petrified because I was like, how, how is he going to get here? There's no tall buildings in suburban California. Um, but then the uh, two guys in a pickup truck, I could see them on the, on the highway coming off the off ramp and they were in a red pickup and they had access to the Spider-Man costume and it was the seventies. So one of them was dressed as Spider-Man arms akimbo standing up in the bed of the truck and, People were like honking and cheering. And I was the only person there in the 7-Eleven parking lot. And for my benefit only, and this is the moment that messed me up for life, he jumped out of the bed of the truck, landed in a spidey crouch, stood up like it was nothing, and just waltzed on in. And like, That's so cool. I bought it. I totally bought it. Those issues were oh. Marvel Tales 71 and Marvel Team Up 38. And that started wow. a lifelong... Um, buying of uh, weekly comics uh usually spidey and a team-up book that's beautiful that guy committed wow yeah yeah, 
Yeah, and then after what you didn't see is him like going home and limping, and she's like, "Oh God, why did I do that for one seven-year-old? This will never pay off." <laughs> His ankle well, was broken, but he he powered through it. No one else was there. I like no one cared. <laughs> this grown man was going to be there in a Spider-Man suit, so I was like, I stared at him for the longest time, unable to talk, just staring at him, like, "Oh my God!" Till it felt uncomfortable, and then I left with my two comics. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, did you did you actually speak to Spider-Man? No, I, I couldn't. I just handed him the comics and he wrote Spider-Man on them and I took them home. Um, it, but it was it was good training because many years later, I would be the guy on staff uh, giving the Marvel tours to the high school students and the kids uh, and introducing them to our Spidey at the end of the tour. Yeah, I would love it if you talk about that a little bit because that, that's sort of like a, a bygone era. Uh, for Marvel. Can you talk about, you know, becoming, uh, joining Marvel, uh, how that happened and then what that was like back in the, in those days? It was the nineties and people did not, um, they did not shun the idea of people on staff writing. Nowadays you, you can't do that. Um, but I, I had like a staff job and every, everybody was writing for Marvel who was on staff. Um, all the senior editors, all the editor, the, like, uh, I, I ended up being an assistant editor for a few months in an office that had the editor in chief writing fantastic four and Thor had the senior editor writing captain America had, um, the guy who was the head, uh, editor of all the X titles writing Avengers. Uh, that does not happen nowadays, but I was, uh, you know, I started off, I sold my first story as a college intern. To Fabian Niciesa. I wrote Mighty Mouse number 10. And um, then months later, I was on staff and he offered me my first book, which was Ren and Stimpy off of the strength of that Mighty Mouse issue. So, yeah. This is like my favorite fact about your like writing career that you started off like writing like Ren and Stimpy and you said like Mighty Mouse. Once I got the Ren and Stimpy assignment, I was like, I asked because it was supposed to be an anthology book. Um, but I knew what Ren and Stimpy was before it aired because I'd seen it at, uh, at um, animation festivals, the thing that eventually became the pilot. So they were, they were doing like a Nicktoons anthology. And I went, can I pitch for the Ren and Stimpy, the, the cat and the dog? And Fabian was like, okay. And no one else knew what it was. So I was pitching for it and I got all these springboards in and approved by Nickelodeon. And then they decided not to do it as anthology, just to do Ren and Stimpy. And I'd locked up the first three issues. And the book was doing phenomenally well. And before they hired other writers, I went, can I have the book? And it was like a top 25 book for Marvel. And they went, yeah, let's not mess with it. You want it? It's yours. And the minute they said it was mine, I was like, I have a freelance monthly book. Adios, Marvel staff. I'm out of here. Woo. I'm gone. Wee. That's awesome. I Flipped his desk and just ran out. But the reason why I bring that up is because, like, Ryan, I mean, Ryan knows this about me. Like, you are one of my favorite writers. Like, you were my Spider-Man writer. Like, if, if you're a 20-something, you can't help but have me as your Spider-Man writer. I hogged the book for 10 years. So. <laughs> No complaints. Um, yeah, thank you. No. Um, yeah, no, because I, and the thing is, I got the college internship uh, from lying. 
I, uh, it was only for college students and I had just graduated and I, I lied and said I was still in college and, uh, <laughs> they let me in. And then I was working there for like three months as an intern. And they went, we want to offer you a staff job. You're good, but you have to go back to college. And I went, no, I lied. <laughs> Uh, I want to put a warning out here to any of our listeners. Please do not attempt what Dan Slott has attempted. It will not work. It is not a good path. You can't do it anymore. I've been working for Marvel for 30 years. And whenever I come by an office and I meet the college intern, they're like, hey, did you have to fill out like a giant ream of forms? And they're like, yes. I'm like, that was me. I'm the reason you have to do that. Every college intern for 30 years has had to, like, you know, give blood samples and fingerprints and go through metal detectors all because of me. Well, you know, fill out like a million forms. Yes, I'm a college student. Yes, I can prove it. Before we get into the Spidey comics, Dan, uh, can you just tell a little bit? Because I, I don't have a lot of experience with the the Spidey in the office and you giving those tours. Like, I've given a ton of, a, a, you know, a half million tours over my years at Marvel, but we didn't have any costumed characters to show off which i wish we did we also don't let we didn't let high school students and classes into the building most of the time so it was a it was a little bit different what was that spidey experience like i would take kids around and they'd, they'd meet spidey um and they'd all light up i remember one time um i was doing two tour i was doing two tours at once leaving them at different offices and juggling it and we decided not to have spidey meet them in the bullpen so one group was all these Catholic school girls in uniform, and they were all in Fabian Nicias's office, and a lot of them are sitting on the floor, like all listening about how comics are made. And the other group was like other boys um, from a different school. And at one point, I was like, hey, Spidey, can you go in there to meet the kids? And they don't know Spider-Man's coming. And the, the area was all filled. So the guy in our Spider-Man costume, who's just someone from the bullpen we shoved into a Spider-Man suit, I'm very sorry, just took a running jump, flew into the office, landed on top of a filing cabinet in a crouch, nailed it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is cool, but they don't know it's coming. And it's a whole room full of, of girls in Catholic school uniforms going, <laughs> That did not go well. <laughs> um. Which this this is a good time to segue into the actual reading club issue we're here to discuss, which is She-Hulk number four Woo! from uh, one of your runs on She-Hulk. Uh, obviously, Dan, you're the writer. Art by Juan Babillo, colors by Chris Chuckery, inks by Marcelo Sosa, and letters by VCs Dave Sharp. Um, was this one of your picks? I mean, we we asked you to come on the show, of course. Was this the book you wanted to talk about, Dan? Yes, you. Um... You wanted uh, me to talk about Spidey, and I'm like, She-Hulk's coming! Let's talk about She-Hulk! <laughs> let's talk about the She-Hulk Spidey issue! Yay! I love She-Hulk 4! Woo! Let's talk about that. That's so good. Um, one of my favorite things is on that first page, the Spidey symbol that She-Hulk draws on the uh, on the light. It was just so silly. Juan Babio just brought so much creativity and so much energy. Um like uh, clearly, I wanted to write this book about She-Hulk uh, being a superhero, a human lawyer, and dealing with the Marvel universe, and all the Marvel characters were going to make appearances. And I, I remember asking Juan, like, "Hey, anybody you want can come buy this this book." 
Like, what character do you want to see She-Hulk with? And he goes, Woodstock. <laughs> I'm like, what? From from Peanuts, Woodstock. I want to like can't do that. No. <laughs> He's like, all right. <laughs> he would just keep drawing whatever he wanted. I'm like, I wanted the real spider signal. And he's like, I'm on Babio. I'm drawing it like this. And I'm like, okay, that's fun. So there's a lot of that. Like anyone would show up in the book and you're like, here's the reference for all these Marvel characters. I think I'll give them a new costume. <laughs> I'm on Babio. Hey. Yeah, I love Juan's whole style throughout this book. I mean, I love his I love his Jennifer, the way he draws Jennifer so much, but I also I love it's his so Spidey. Good. His Spidey is so good. It's so it's so wiry and he, I, everything like I liked seeing the Marvel universe through his lens. Uh he he brought so much life to it and fun. Um it was just such a joy like to see him draw like his version of Captain America and his version of Spider-Woman and his version of the thing. Uh, it was just a hoot. Um, yeah. With his scorpion, his Mac is like is really amazing at the end of this too. Just that big, almost like, almost like anime Mega Man looking Mac Gargan is so wonderful. Uh, this was uh, She Hulk Four. Really was my chance to like uh, go in and do a full a full length issue of a Spider Man comic. Uh, it was there was a feeling like when I was writing the first year She Hulk like. It, it was my first superhero monthly book from from Marvel, and I didn't know how long it was going to last and when they were going to wise up and kick me off. And it was like, okay, I've got one shot to do everything I've ever wanted to do with Spider-Man. We're going to do it in this comic. Like, if I get fired tomorrow, <laughs> if I never get to write Spider-Man again, I will have gotten everything I wanted to get in here. Uh, so that was kind of fun. That was a hoot. And I love this, the whole, obviously the whole thing here about the uh, superheroes using the legal system is, is such a linchpin of the whole, the whole She-Hulk run here. But um, how do you, how did you sort of come up with this idea for a case? Because I absolutely love this. I've, I've wondered this as somebody who'd like was a high school and college journalism student myself. I was like, couldn't Spider-Man sue for libel? What is going on here? But he, he couldn't sue for libel because that would mean he'd have to unmask. You know, if you you can't sue them as Spider-Man, like we saw in like Amazing Spider-Man number one, how he couldn't cash any of the checks, you know, from from the agent because he didn't want anyone to know he was Peter Parker. Can you make it out right. to Spider-Man? And they couldn't cash it. So, like, that's one of the big reasons he could never go after Jonah. And I remember reading, like, I think it was a Roger Stern Avengers issue where he got to put his uh, his retina up to a uh, a scanner and it registered him as Spider-Man and it was all kept off the books. And I'm like, the Avengers are like a real government agency back then. So he should be able to go, I can prove in a court of law, I'm Spider-Man, bring an Avengers scanner. And now I can sue J. Jonah Jameson. And that was the, that was the fun, every issue was like, when we were doing She-Hulk, the way I sold it was uh, Ally McBeal with muscles. It's <laughs> what would it what would it be like to be a superhero? Not because to be a lawyer in a superhero world, we hadn't seen that at Marvel. Like when you saw She-Hulk's career before this, she was like a prosecutor. She was everything she was dealing with was real world law. And the fun of uh, this run of She-Hulk was we introduced superhuman law. 
And mainly it's because I don't know a thing about the law <laughs> and I could, I could write a lawyer show that way. Like the same way I can write, I don't know anything about science, but I can write a whole story about adamantium and Antarctic vibranium and pim particles and cosmic rays. <laughs> like I don't need a degree in that. Eh, cosmic rays. Hey, yo, it works. <laughs> so this was my way of doing that to the law. Um, like you could do, I could decide the precedent for is X-ray vision an invasion of privacy? Is it? It is. <laughs> or is it? I like that. I like Dan. I like that you set yourself up as like the Supreme Court of the Marvel Universe. I, and then we went a step further in She-Hulk, and we had her join the Magistrati who were lawyers who worked cosmic cases for uh, the living tribunal. So then you get to go, I am deciding law for the universe. First, first, first. Uh, it's, it's fun. Um, we did, we did weird stuff. Like uh, could a ghost testify at his own murder trial? <laughs> like the things that, that. Could, only, that could only, could only happen in a superhero universe. And I think in that one, there's a precedent where they're like, this is the Marvel Universe. People come back from the dead. If you deny him his right because he's a dead American, what if he comes back? You're like, what? And they went, I want to cite the case of Thanos v. Universe. <laughs> How many? Yeah, they're like, half the universe got knocked out. Half of you came back. Can we have a show of hands? How many people here in the courtroom like got were dead for half for a while? And they like, raised their hands. Like half of them. And they're like, see? So you have to let my dead client testify because he could come back. I like this because this is sort of like codifying all of the discussions that comic book fans have amongst themselves, right? And it's a fun way to be like, I am going to decide all of these debates for you because we have all sort of had these debates. We've all asked these what ifs. And I think that's just such a clever linchpin to put into a series. Oh, the, there was like one case we never got to that I was I was like, ah, it's like the one, it's always good to leave a series with some, you know, you didn't do everything. You had some still left in the drawer where I wanted to have She-Hulk's friend, Pug, who's a lawyer at the firm. I wanted uh, his science teacher to get fired from the education board because he was teaching Marvel creationism <laughs> in school. And everything he would be teaching would be right out of the Marvel Universe handbook. And then Odin came down off the world tree. <laughs> you know. And the Krees, the Krees separated the genome and created the humans and the deviants and the eternals. And, and you're like, you can't teach that in a school. And at like one point we were going to uh, call the Watcher to the stand. You'd be like, I am the watcher. Everything he said is true. <laughs> it's like the ultimate expert witness. Like what? Been around since the dawn of time. He is correct. That is all, all your other religions are lies. I am the watcher. Uh, Dan, She-Hulk was what? That was like early 2004. You had been, you hadn't been writing for Marvel for like seven, eight years, I guess at that point. How'd you get the gig? What, did you pitch on it? Was it offered to you? What was that like? For the longest time, I couldn't get superhero assignments at Marvel. Um, I was just writing humor stuff and cause that's what people knew me for. And I would write like my serious stories every now and then for like a annual backup or, uh, a, a story in Marvel Comics Presents, 
I remember one time I was in the Ren and Stimpy office and I was turning in my vouchers and uh, an editor, Nell Yamtov, who worked on things like Fantastic Force and Silver Sable, um, he poked his head in and went, hey, Dan, I just read some superhero stories you wrote. And I'm like, yeah? And he's like, yeah, they were really good. You should do more of those. And I'm like, Nell, can I, can I pitch you something? And he's like, I'm full up. <laughs> so be like, ah! um, so it, it took me going over to the distinguished competition and uh, doing a uh, story with their nocturnal pointy eared guy uh, for Marvel to go, hey, De deflator mouse. Yeah. yeah, he can he can do uh, superhero stories. What would you like to do? And I'm like, I would like to do Ali McBeal with muscles, please. Nice. Well done. <laughs> and that's how that happened. Yeah, I remember reading that Arkham yeah. Asylum Living Hell series. Uh, and that was, I think, my first exposure and like recognition of who's this guy? I like this. I'm going to follow this dude wherever he goes. And then with She-Hulk and stuff. And I was at Wizard at the time. And you were just like watching your star on the rise. It made me real, real happy, Dan. Real, real happy. It was, oh, thank you. Uh, it was it was fun. Um, I got to, you know, I was doing this small cult book and they asked, uh, there was one Marvel creative retreat where uh, one person couldn't make it and another person was sick. So they had two empty, two empty uh, seats. And Tom Brevoort went to then EIC Joe Quesada and said, uh, we should have Dan over. He's good in the room. And. Joe was like the She-Hulk guy. He's like, yeah. And then he's like, well, well, it's catered. You know, all that food would go to work. Yeah, sure. I was, I was brought to eat. He's like, just, just make sure he doesn't talk too much. <laughs> I, had, I had a really good retreat, and then Joe was like going to Tom, like, ask him to come to the next one. Yeah, it, it, it was really hard to uh, leave She-Hulk. I, I just had so much fun on that book. Um. It, and I had so much fun working with with Juan and with Paul and with uh, Brichette. It was it was really good time. Um, and I, it, it, uh, there's a valuable lesson from when I worked on She-Hulk, which was people really liked the stuff that I was doing, the law stuff, which was the original pitch. But I would like poke my head into the message boards, and people would be like, "Why isn't She-Hulk punching more people? Why isn't she lifting things?" I, I wanted to see She-Hulk be She-Hulk uh, and do She-Hulky things. And I started doing more and more of that at the expense of the law firm stuff. And it's like, don't listen to the message boards. Tell your story. Tell your story. <laughs> do the story you want to do. If people like it, like Joe and Axel and other people would say, they will vote with their wallet. And, they, you know, don't don't try to make everyone happy write the thing you want to write. Yeah, and I mean this this issue in particular seems to me to have such a good balance of all that stuff. Like it it's it has a good juggling of the action stuff and the superhero lore stuff and the law firm and even, you know, some of uh some of Jennifer and Pug's like personal life and personal uh relationship gets in there. I mean, was that was that a tough thing? to balance all of those elements within every issue, you know, talking about how wanting to keep it sort of a superhero book that way. Oh, it was, it was fun. Like every issue, you know, we're, we're clearly, it was clearly a law show, you know, and, and a bit of a dramedy. 
So it was it was kind of like writing a TV show. It's so weird that it's a TV show now. <laughs> um, that would be like a frequent complaint we got in the letter column. It would be like, why are you writing this like a sitcom? Why isn't this more like a superhero comic? So, but yeah, no, it was, it was fun. Um, and you could see who I was rooting for. I was clearly rooting for Pug. Um, and years of reading Spider-Man comics had, you know, got me going, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make things really hard for this guy. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put so many obstacles in the way of, oh, if only they knew. Yeah. I Dan, what that. was your, um, what was your, your writing style for this, especially, you know, with Juan, were you writing more Marvel style? Were you doing full script? How much of that was, you know, there as you, cause as you said, Juan sort of like goes off and does some really fun, weird stuff. What was it? What was that process? It was uh, my early days. I was writing way closer to full script. Um, but Juan would start going different ways and then I'd have to like, hold on like a buck and Bronco. And then I'd have to make it work. Like um, there was like an issue where the, the way I describe it is like my dad used to have this game. He played with me if we were in a restaurant and I was bored where he would take a napkin, he would take a pen and he'd draw a squiggle. And then he'd hand me the pen and go make a drawing of that. Like use the squiggle. And then you'd have to like incorporate that squiggle into your drawing. And I remember we did like, like in a good example is one issue of She-Hulk. Um, Pug is helping She-Hulk move from Avengers Mansion and the Avengers security system goes off and starts attacking Pug and She-Hulk has to rip all, they used to have this thing in the Roger Stern run where these Doc Ock-like arms would come out of the wall mm -hmm. and grab you if you tried to enter Avengers Mansion. And I, I wrote that out and I included reference like, here's what those wall tentacle things look like. Um, and Juan decided he liked the front gate of Avengers Mansion the way uh, George Perez was drawing it in the uh, Kurt Busiek run. So he decided that it would be the front gate of Avengers Mansion that would turn into arms and grab Pug, and that She-Hulk had to rip that out. But by doing that, he moved it way away from the front door of Avengers Mansion. And in the plot, after She-Hulk has made this big mess and she and Pug are in the front door, like in the foyer, with all covered in all these ripped up mechanical arms, Jarvis walks by in the background. And a running gag we had is that She-Hulk was made all her partying and all the, her fun that she was having in Avengers Mansion kept making more work for Jarvis. <laughs> so like Jarvis walks by in the background and he goes, I'll get a broom. <laughs> and then he walks back. That's the way it was written in the plot. But since he moved it to the front gate, he realized, oh, my God, that's nowhere near where Jarvis is. So he had Jarvis running at full tilt to the front gate uh, with a baseball bat and a um, cooking pot on his head. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I did not write this, <laughs> but this is the art I have gotten, so I have to play with it. And earlier, like, Pug, She-Hulk had mentioned something about, like, you know, Pug, these are made out of, like, an adamantium, you know, something, or a carbonadium, the thing that Omega Red had. They're made out of an almost invulnerable carbonadium alloy. And Pug looked at her and went, you, you people make up words. 
And <laughs> so when when Jarvis comes running out, like I added this line to She-Hulk going, Jarvis, there's a pot on your head. And Jarvis goes, yes, it's made of an invulnerable for bushy and alloy. <laughs> and, and then she looks like, Pug's right, we sound like idiots. So I made a four Bushman joke. And that was not in the plot. That's just, you know, Juan gave me the squiggle and I had to make a picture out of it. And there is a lot of that in the, the first year of She-Hulk. Where I'd be like, what, what is going on in this picture? Okay, all right, we'll, we'll go with this. Let's go. So there was always like a fun challenge too. Good squiggles make great pictures in She-Hulk, so it's great. Well, yeah. No, I mean, Juan's the best. That was that was a lot of fun. It feels like that's such a you know, somebody who's been who's been a fan of of your stuff for so long, it feels like something that um you kind of you kind of love in your writing, which is which is like take everything that exists and make it connect and make it work. You know, you can see it a lot in, in obviously Spider-Verse stuff and things like that, where it's like you're, you have a very encyclopedic knowledge of, of what's been happening in, in the Marvel universe and who people are. And you seem to, to love to make incongruous things fit together and, and make the story work. Is there like, do you go after things like that? Things that you've always wanted explained or things that you've always wondered about when you're kind of pitching stories? How does that work for you? Um, I never write stories about stories, write the story you want. And if you can do this stuff along the way and it's fun and it helps the story, then yes, but never, you know, that would be my advice. Never write stories about stories, never write stories about continuity. Always have, you know, the angle that your character has, you know, what's the story, what does this mean to them? Because we don't we don't care about stories about stories. We care about characters who are in stories. Well said. I want to make sure we uh, we we sort of wrap up and let you go back to writing some Spider Man stuff. Dan, give us a little tease, a little taste of what's in store for your Spider stories coming up. Oh boy, We're, Mark Bagley and I are ending the Spider Verse. We're destroying it completely <laughs> and utterly. We're so we're taking this thing you all dearly love and is a huge catch huge cash cow for Marvel and we're just pouring gasoline on it, setting it on fire and running away cackling. So it's no, no, we're having fun. We're, we're having some all new Spideys that we introduce in edge of spider verse. And we're bringing back favorites in ways you won't expect. Um, there are twists and turns and emotional stakes. This will, Really, you're going to see as much as it's the Spider-Verse story. This is the arc, the opening arc of the all-new adjectiveless Spider-Man monthly book. It's Spider-Man! You know, that, that book made popular by that Canadian guy that everyone loves. Uh, Todd, what's his face? You know, the, he drew the funky way. Rick Moranis? Yeah, sure. No, oh. we're following in the great step footsteps of McFarlane. Then we're we're doing adjectiveless Spider-Man. And that's kind of a fun way of, you know, here's Bagley who's drawn more Spider-Man comics than any man alive. And uh I, you know, someone like me who's written it for over 10 years. And there isn't a point where we'll uh, you know, you can say to us, you know, what what do you want to write? What do you want to draw? And both Mark and I will be like, Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, we this is our calling. This is our this is our mission. You know, our vow, our sacred vow. Um, 
yeah, I mean, this this book, man, it's Spider-Man. It's everything I ever wanted. It's writing Spider-Man once a month. You know, like when, when I was writing Amazing, it was like Lucy in the Chocolate Factory. With that, you're like, oh my god, I have to keep writing Spider-Man faster, or or the company will cave in, it'll implode. Because uh, I was like, I was talking to Zeb Wells this weekend at it. We did a signing together, and he's like, "You have to do it twice a month." I'm like, "Yes, you do, sucker." So that's fun. So, but with you do it once a month, and it's like, oh, how, what a blessing! This is exactly what I want. This is this is the career I've always desired. I get to write Spider-Man once a month, and I get to do it with one of the greatest Spider-Man artists alive, Mark Bagley. And we're gonna tell big, big Peter Parker Spider-Man stories. But we've also we're also at that point where we've done so much that it's kind of like. These are the stories where anything can like, oh, we're going all out, man. We can do anything now, man. We it's like when you're learning to ride a bike, if you try to ride with your hands off the handlebars, you immediately crash. You're like, I will try to do a trick. But if you've been riding that bike for you know a year, you're like, hey, I'll take my hands off the steering wheel, off the steering, and I'll I'll take my feet off the pedals. And look, I'm lying sideways on the seat. Nothing can shake me. Let's do something cool. Let's do a double flip. So that that's kind of like what we're doing on Spider-Man. It's the Spider-Man book where anything can happen. We're going to go big, take big swings. Um, I'm super excited about this. And for the first first story out of the gate, we are destroying the Spider-Verse. End of the Spider-Verse. <sighs> Dan, this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Always a delight to, to see you and to talk to you. Um, all right, Dan, we're going to let you go. Go write some Spider-Man. Hopefully Nick Lowe doesn't find out about this. Well, I'm sure he's going to. Big thanks once again to Dan Slot for uh, carving out an hour and change. And we did sorry, go over Nick. a little bit. Yeah. You know what, Nick? I'm not sorry. I'm going to take any, any Dan Slot <laughs> time I can get. That's just the way I am. Once again, as somebody who doesn't even work here, I loved it. Could have gone longer. <laughs> Could have gone double. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, with Dan. He's always a hoot. Make sure y'all get ready for all the Spidey stuff that he's got coming up. Read Edge of Spider Verse and, and and more. It's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride. Um, all right, that wraps us up. Anthony, where can people find you and talk to you and bother you? Uh, you can find me everywhere on the internet at A Carboni, except for on Twitch, where I am at Anthony Carboni. Twitch, you cowards, it's mine. Give it back to me. Uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I host uh, a morning show called It's Too Early on Twitch. Uh, I have a science comedy podcast with Jeff Kanata called We Have Concerns. You can check that out at wehaveconcerns.com. Nice. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. No, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I've been I've been saying every time I've seen you for the last, well, actually, it's been five years because of the anime time skip we all yeah. just had. Uh, but every time I see Ryan, I've been like, I want to talk about comics. How, when can we talk about comics? We did it. We did it. So I'm glad that we found an excuse to talk about yeah, comics. That's great. Uh, this episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Cara McGurk Allison. Phil Duboff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton is Marvel's Polis Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. And uh, Web of Lies is the name of that issue we talked about with Dan mm -hmm. Slott, but is also Brad Barton's drag name. Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a really good one. Proud it's of actually, you. It's actually a pretty cool name. Have All you right. seen his show? Yeah, it was, aside from that one bit that was like, whoa, 
Oh, rein it in a little bit. Mm. There are kids here. Yeah. It was great. Okay. Love you, Brad. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. And I'm Anthony. And this is Marvel. Your universe.